story from God's Word that kings and priests and prophets heard. There would be a sacrifice and blood would flow to Amen. Let's uh, take your Bible, turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13. And um, we're still dealing with five questions to ask when faced with a decision. And we'll probably end it or conclude it tonight. And we'll see where we're going for next week. But um, we've been addressing this issue of decision making. And the truth is, is that we all have decisions to make on a regular basis. And as a result of that, we need to learn how to make those decisions. And to make them in a way that will honor and glorify the Lord. Obviously, we want to make decisions based on biblical principle. And, uh, you know, we want godly wisdom in doing so. And so we've addressed some uh, questions over the last few weeks. We talked about, and we said, if you're going to, you're faced with a decision, then you need to ask the question, does it violate clear teachings of the Bible? Your, that would be your decision, obviously. You know, you need to think about that. And then, then we said, well, you also need to consider, does it violate my body as the temple of the Holy Ghost? And finally, uh, the other week we talked about, does it cause another Christian to stumble? And of course, we said that we have a responsibility to protect the young believers from stumbling into sin. And it's important that 
we uh, are careful when we make our decisions. It may not even be something sinful, but if it's something that could indeed negatively impact them or cause them to, as it says, stumble, then uh, we need to take that into consideration in our decision making. And so tonight I want to continue with uh, number four, question number four. Does it go against the expressed will of my spiritual authority? Does it go against the express will of my spiritual authority? Now, uh, let's go ahead and read Hebrews 13, 7. You're there. Let's read that together. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 7. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time, I hope we don't, addressing this issue of young people obeying their parents or seeking the wisdom of their parents. Obviously, if a parent says to a, a young person, this is not the girl that I want you to date, or I don't think that's in, uh, that she's the one right now for you at this, this point in your life, there should be no questions asked. You should just do what your parents say and say, you know what, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me maybe, but the truth is, is that, well, they've been around a little longer than I have. They might know something I don't. So I'm just going to go ahead and do what I'm told because God promises to honor that and I want God's blessing on my life. Now that's not how it usually works in the world we live in. You know, the teenager throws a big fit and throws their body around and starts calling their daddy or mama names and pretends that they know everything and said, I'm grown up, can't trust my decisions. If I could, you wouldn't talk to me the way you are right now. But the fact is, is that there's an element where I hope that's not something we have to address and deal with. Now, you say, why are you talking about that? Because I don't want to spend time telling our young people, you should do what your dad says. You should do what your mom says. Okay, I want to spend time talking about another spiritual authority, a spiritual authority that affects the majority of us in the room today that are over the age of 18 even. We're talking about your pastor. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about that just for a little bit because I think it's important, okay? And again, it's one of those things. I don't need an evangelist to come in here and talk about it. You know what I mean? I mean, the Bible says what it says. I mean, you, people say, well, you know, some things a pastor can't preach or teach on because, you know, well, I don't think that's true. I personally don't. I just don't think that's true. And so, you know, I, I think we're, we're going to look at this. And Hebrews 13, 7 makes it clear. Now, again, we're talking about decision making. <clears throat> now, all of us, again, can look down at our children and say, man, listen, before you make any major decision, like you would think you'd want to come talk to dad. You want to talk to mom. You, and then if we tell you something that does, goes against what you're thinking, you ought to take that pretty serious. Okay, that, that's, that would be true, and I agree 100%. But when we get to be adults, all of a sudden, it seems like we don't have any spiritual authorities in our life or God-given authority in our life. It's like, well, I can do whatever I want. All I, I have to just obey the Holy Ghost. Well, first of all, you know, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your prayer life because you know, obeying the Holy Spirit doesn't happen on a five-minute-a-day prayer life. Okay, so already we're probably at a disadvantage in most cases. You say, you're being kind of mean now. No, because I don't know who that is. I'm just telling you that I know as a pastor and I know as a person that our prayer lives stink compared to what they ought to be. I just read a book today. Actually, I listened to the book at twice the speed because uh, it goes faster that way for me, and I'm, I can listen very fast, very fast. And uh, I was listening to a book on prayer by Ian Bounds today. And uh, man, I'm, t I'm telling you what, every time I listen to this book or every time I read this book, it's like I get hit square between the eyes. It's like, oh man, what a terrible preacher I am. 
I mean, it's, I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you. I mean, just, man, you talk about a high standard. And I think, we need to attain to that. I need to attain to that. And, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, let's just look at it. And, and give me just a little bit of leeway here. We'll look at it. It's not, it's not like I'm going to really blast you or nothing. I'm just going to share a couple thoughts with you. Because I think when we make decisions in our life, we need to consider, you know, the express will of our spiritual authorities. There's some decisions we ought to... Listen, I don't think there's one person in the room that ought to plan on switching jobs, leaving the state, changing churches, and just without talking to their pastor first. I really don't. I don't think that should happen. You know, your pastor is pretty gracious. He's probably going to tell you, well, you know, you just need to pray about it. And you know what? I don't know. I just, if I were you, I'd be very cautious. I'd have a church lined up before I ever took the job. Things like that. I'd tell you those kind of things. And, and you'd be like, well, how am I supposed to get a church forever? Well, I'd, I'd maybe give you some suggestions how maybe you can start to work on that already and have a very good idea where you're going to end up before you even get there. But you've got to be careful. So many times the spiritual life is negated. It's, it's forgotten. And it's like, it's all about, well, I'm going to get paid more. Well, they already, they already promised to move me, and I, I can have this and that. Well, it's okay if it's all about being prospering financially, then why are you talking to anybody else? Just do it then if that's the answer. You know, but honestly, I think sometimes we need that. Uh, we need to hear from the man of God that God's put in our life. It's important. And I just, I, you know, I, I've, I don't think I've ever told anybody, well, bless God, you take that job, you're a loser. Now, I don't know that I've ever done that. First of all, I've only had two people who've ever done that in my whole ministry in 30 years. But I'm really probably not joking either. But anyway... Um, I kind of thought it was a joke at first, and I got thinking about it. Wait, that's probably true. Maybe only one. But no, two did. I know for sure two did. But anyway, and, and both of them ended bad, by the way. Both of them ended bad. Not one of you know who they are either. It's so long ago. But they ended bad. And uh, in both cases, they neglected to do what I told them. Just so you know. And they did not put the spiritual ahead of the financial. And it cost them their families. Ouch. Okay, I don't know what your family's worth, but it might be worth 10 minutes talking to your pastor. Okay, anyway, moving on. You say, preacher, you're pretty arrogant. I don't know, I'm just a pastor. And I know what God said. Remember them that have the... Ouch. Don't like that word anymore, do we? Rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So, in the passage, remember them that have the rule over you. Who, who, uh, has, who is this, uh, who have spoken unto you the word of God? So the question is, who is the passage primarily referring to then? I mean, it sounds a lot like a pastor, doesn't it? It sounds like a lot like a pastor to me. And someone says, well, it could be any authority, spiritual authority. Well, I, I'll give you that to some degree. There might be some truth to that. I, I'm not going to say it's exclusively the pastor, but if you go down to verse 17, it kind of clarifies that a little bit, and, and we kind of understand that obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, and th that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The, the implication is, is that these that have rule over you are spiritual leaders, not just a dad or a mom, not just somebody that you trust spiritually, but they literally have been commissioned by God 
to oversee you and to encourage you and help you and your family succeed in the spiritual life. Sounds a lot like a pastor to me. Okay, so anyway, that's what we see here. It's, and I think it's pretty obvious. So pastors are to be given every consideration, the Bible says then, because of their track record. Now listen, if you got a, uh, you, know, you know, like I said, it'll be, what, 30 years in March that the Community Baptist Temple's been around, okay? And the Lord's given Sherry and I the blessing of pastoring and, and me the pa- blessing of pastoring and her the blessing of, of just being married to me. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so... Why are you laughing? But anyway, but, 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 so, so, but, but that, 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 there's been a little track record there, right? Okay, I, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, nobody's perfect. But I think we've seen enough around here to know that a pastor might be somebody we might want to talk to. You know, he might have something to add to the circumstance or situation. Let's, his track record's not all bad. And so it says we are to consider the end of their conversation, which means where did their choices in life lead them? Okay, as we look at their life, where did it take them? You know, I mean, the, the, and, and again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not mad at you or upset with you if, if these things have happened, but is the pastor been in bankruptcy court a couple times in the last 20 years? If he has, you probably don't want to ask his advice on money for sure. You get where I'm, now you get where I'm going with this. Okay, um, we could talk about a few other areas, but, but, but the fact is, is this, is if, if he has anything that he's done right, and he should have a lot that he's done right, <laughs> he should, as your pastor. Your pastor ought to be doing a lot of things right. Okay, he might not be perfect, but he should be doing a lot of things right, and the end of his conversation should be such that when we look at the, the outcome of his life and what it's producing, we go, nice, that's cool. I like it. Well, in that case, we need to give him great consideration because of that, then, the Bible says. And, and by the way, young people, that, that's kind of like your parents. Your parents don't have to be perfect, but if they can afford to put a roof over your head, clothes on your back, food in your belly, they can take care of you and, and keep you from living out on the streets, uh, they're doing something right. You probably ought to at least listen to what they have to say. You know what I'm saying? The end of their conversation. We're seeing something positive there. And so that's good. Um, the writer in Hebrews, um, we know we're in Hebrews chapter 13, but in chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews has already shared this pretty long list of examples of those whose faith were to be followed, right? You know, he talks about like Abel. He says, you know, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, by faith Rahab. Then he goes on to talk about some of the judges and then others down through the centuries. Well, in chapter 13 now, he points out that there are those today whose faith are to be followed as well and faith who's to be imitated. You know who that is? Your pastors. It's a hard thing to stand up here and tell you that. Because I'm not one to like to do you know, Toot my own horn. I don't like to do that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you I got it all figured out. But what I am telling you is, it's been 30 years and I'm still here. That's what I know. 
Do I have a lot of growing to do? Have I yet arrived as the Apostle Paul? Absolutely not. I got plenty of room to grow. Just like I told you, the prayer life, man, I got convicted listening to that guy from whatever year it was he wrote, way back in the back. I'm thinking, man, them old timers, boy, they were serious. And I think, man, I got to get more serious. And I'll read those books from time to time just to kind of keep me, you know, shot in the arm, just to kind of keep me going. Because there's always room for improvement, right? But it's been 30 years and I think, I might want to hear from that guy. Just might want to. Now from Moses right on through to the apostles, God had expressed his will through human authorities. And although no authority again is perfect, we understand that God still tells us to submit ourselves one to another. Now he tells, uh, he tells husbands and wives to submit one to another. You know, he tells our, our children to, to submit to the authority of their parents. And, and, and as believers, we're to have a local church, which means we have a pastor and, and we have a, an under-shepherd there to oversee and to care for us spiritually and our families. And the truth is, is that, well, you know, we need to submit ourselves then to that. That's, that's a God-ordained authority in our life. Now, we can't afford to neglect the advice or the counsel of those who have, again, proven themselves capable and competent in navigating life. And listen, you know, there's no doubt. There's not one person on the planet that you and I can't look at and go, well, I know, I like, you know, <laughs> whatever, but I know this. And I didn't like how he handled this. And I don't appreciate this. Yeah, I get it. Every one of us. Somebody can find something. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're perfect. I mean, you could almost be perfect. Look at what they did to Jesus. They found fault in him. So I guarantee you, somebody's going to find fault in you too. And they're going to find fault in me. I get that. But God has given us some God-ordained leaders in our life and, and authorities that we, we've got to be careful that we don't neglect. Their practical and spiritual experience makes them invaluable tools to us. Invaluable tools. Now, you don't have to always agree with the counsel that they provide you. But if they're obviously opposed, then you should be seriously concerned. Okay, that, that's, that's it. You know, I mean, if, if uh, I go to my dad even, and I think I got a great idea. I say, Dad, what do you think about this? And he says, oh, man, I don't think so. You stinking old man. You living back in the dark ages. Come on, you got to get with the times, man. What's your problem? I actually should be going, well, you seriously don't think that's a good idea? Now, you say, are you going to go forward with it? I'll guarantee you one thing. I better take real serious what he said. Instead of dismissing him, oh, well, yeah. Why did I waste my time asking him if I didn't honestly want to hear anyway? But how many times has somebody come to you with a question and you shared your heart and you shared what you believe the Bible or the Word of God says and then they're like, well, <laughs> and you're like, well, why did you even come to me in the first place if you honestly didn't want my opinion? If you were going to totally discount it, what's the point, right? Well, you know, we got to be careful that we don't dismiss those that maybe don't agree with us, especially those who God has placed as spiritual authorities in our life. 
Doesn't mean that we're going to always line up 100% with what they said, but boy, you ought to want to hear what they say and you ought to take seriously what they say and weigh it out. Say, now, Lord, listen, I just talked to the pastor and he's like, I don't know about this one. Lord, I, I thought for sure it was a done deal, but maybe I better pray about it a little longer. For centuries, people believed that Aristotle was right when he said that the heavier, a heavier an object was, the faster it would fall to the earth. Aristotle was regarded as the greatest thinker of basically all time, right? You think about thinkers, you know, oh, Aristotle. And you know what? Honestly, if you think, he, he was. He was one of the great minds ever, right? Now, we know that there's nobody wiser than Solomon, but man, you talk about just a great thinker, Aristotle, man, he comes up with some good ones. Anyone, of course, <clears throat> could have taken two objects, one heavy, one light, dropped them from a great height to see whether or not the heavier object landed first. Anybody could have done that. But no one did that until nearly 2,000 years after Aristotle's death. In 1589, a man by the name of Galileo he summoned all these professors to the base of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Come on, guys, come on over to the tower. I want to show you something. Then he went to the top of the tower of, of Leaning Tower of Pisa and he pushed off a 10-pound and a 1-pound weight at the exact same time. Do you know what happened? They both landed at the exact same time. But you know what? The power of belief was so strong that the professors, they denied what they saw. They saw exactly what they saw. They saw those weights hit at the exact same time. But they continued to say, no, Aristotle's right. Nope, the heavier object falls faster. Now why? Let me watch this now. Why wouldn't you take your pastor's advice? Could it be, now watch this, I'm just going to throw it out there. Why do people not take their pastor's advice? I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about just in general, pastors and their people. We all know folks that go to church all their lives, but eh, they haven't always done what their pastors thought was the best thing maybe. Why? why? Why is it that we're so skeptical of what our preachers have to tell us sometimes? Could it be that we have our own belief system rooted in faulty upbringing or in the world's mindset? And the, the pastor says, yeah, but the Bible says, and I think you might want to be very cautious here because the Word of God teaches us this, so let's be very cautious. And you're like, yeah, whatever, that's stupid. I know better than that. I'm not, I'm not ignorant. Now, come on. What am I, chopped liver here? You think your opinion's the only one that matters? Why did you ask me that? Most people don't ask anymore, but why don't they then? Maybe it's because they already think they have all the answers. Unfortunately, these men thought they had the answers too, but they were dead wrong. 2,000 years later, they still are looking at Aristotle and going, nope, he's right, even though Galileo showed them it's not true. According to a recent study, and I've shared this with some folks already in our teachers' meetings, but a recent study that was conducted by George Barna, only 6% of Americans now embrace a biblical worldview. 
That's an alarming amount. That's unbelievable. The findings are explained by saying this. It says, this frighteningly low percentage is the culmination of the gradual but steady weakening of the scriptural mindset, both within the church and throughout our, our secular culture. And so he goes on to say this, the number of American adults holding to a biblical worldview has declined by 50% over the past quarter century or 25 years. So just 25 years ago, we would have said that 56% of believers, and we're talking about those that believe that the Word of God is indeed the Word of God, that it has authority in their life, and that even salvation is possible because of the Word of God. Hold on, those very people are only ranging at 6% today. Only 6% of the people that say they believe that allow their decision-making, their outlook, and their, their future forecast be affected by the Word of God. Instead, it's what the world is saying. It's the world philosophy. It's the world's view that is dictating and determining whether or not they, obey, whether or not they go this way or this way. That, that's what we're talking about. A biblical worldview says, I see the world through the eyes of the word of God. I see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. I see the world the way he sees it. But unfortunately today, only 6% of Bible-believing Christians, mind you, so-called Bible-believing, so-called Christians that are saved by grace have a biblical worldview. That means they, have a, they don't have a biblical worldview, they have a secular worldview then. 25 years ago, it had been 56%. Now it's only 6%. I wonder what it'll be like in another 25 years. I mean, because of that, is there any wonder we discard the Bible or any advice that is rooted in the Word of God then? Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Pastor, I've got this uh, job opportunity and it's all the way over in California. Oh man, you going mining for gold, brother? No, they haven't done that in a while, but they got a great job offer. I'll be making 45% more than I make here. And man, I mean to tell you, it's going to be like moving into the promised land. Oh, I see. Anybody ever talk to you about how much it's going to cost to buy a house there? Have you ever thought about the cost of living? Well, why are you trying to muddy the waters, Pastor? And furthermore, is there a good local church? Because we know you can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You can't move and then two months later look for a church. You need a church when you get there. Well, pastor, that's ridiculous. I mean, come on now. Who does that? Oh, that's right. Only Bible believers do that that actually have a biblical worldview. Otherwise, they have a secular worldview. That's what we're talking about. That's the example I want you to understand. Why is it that we automatically default to what the world does because we don't have a biblical worldview and that's a problem and that's one reason why we don't want to go to a pastor or even as a young person go to your mom or dad because you already know what they're going to say probably and you just don't want to hear it right who wants to hear that so we should get advice you say why should we get advice because there's safety in counsel 
The Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, where, there, where no counsel is, the people fail, or fall, excuse me. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. But can I tell you, just as important as it is to get counsel, it's equally important to get the right kind of counsel. It's not enough just get counsel. I mean, you jump on your phone today, you're getting all kind of counsel. Everybody's telling you what's good, what's the best, what's better. Everybody's telling you how great it turned out when they did this, 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 or this. Oh, it's wonderful. Me and my husband and family, we're the happiest we've ever been in years. Until you actually meet them or you finally read a blog that goes beyond that stupid little portion that way and it reads further down, so to speak, and you realize that just, well, I don't know, two months later they're in divorce court. Oh, they were the perfect couple and everything was going great. I'm telling you, we better be real careful because it's not just any counsel. You need godly counsel and you need counsel from your spiritual leaders, God-given spiritual authorities. Be careful. And I'll just do this just to put to ease all of you parents that are freaking out right now. Young people, talk to your parents before you talk to me. I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, you ought to want to talk to your parents. Well, I think I'll talk to the pastor. He's much more spiritual than my dad. I don't care if your dad's lost. You talk to your dad because he's a God-given spiritual authority in your life. He's got something to tell you. And God put him there for a reason. He doesn't have to be a spiritual giant. He just needs to be your dad. That makes him your authority. Somebody says, well, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't care if you agree with it or not. It's biblical. Timothy, I got a feeling Timothy wasn't, wasn't a, a rebellious child to his daddy. We have no, pro, no record of all that his daddy was saved. All we know is that his mother and his grandmother were. We don't know about dad, but I can guarantee you this. I guarantee you he was an obedient child to his dad. And I'll guarantee you that he respected his dad and honored his dad like the Bible says he should. Sometimes we put all these prerequisites on things. Well, I'll listen to my parents if they do this or if they're this way or that way. If they, were, if they weren't so this, then I would do what they said. But because they're not, I'm not going to do it. Who, who died and made you God? He sets the rules. You don't get to set the rules. I'm sorry, I forgot we were not talking in the youth rally. I, gotta talk, I can't say things like who died and made you, you know. He said, we do that at youth rallies. We don't do that in front of all of you. It's... Mm. But it's true, isn't it? We say that in our home to our kids. Who died and made you God? Because what are we saying? Who gave you the right to come up with the rules? Well, sadly enough, we like to come up with our own rules. I do. I like my own rules. But that's not always what God wants for me. Notice what he says here. It's equally important, again, that we get the right kind of counsel. Look at Psalm 33. Turn there, would you? It's a great passage, Psalm 3310. Look at this. This is amazing. I honestly, I mean this with all my heart. I prayed before I ever got here. Lord, don't. Just, I didn't even, this, this was like I was going to read right through it. <whistles> Done. Whoop. I said, Lord, because I, I don't want to ever be critical. I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be all that. And I don't kind of come across that way a little bit. And that's not my goal, honestly. But, you know, it is something that I think we need to take much more seriously. Look at Psalm 3310. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. Uh, be careful where you're getting your counsel. 
I'm, tell, I'm telling you, how many Christians have been corrupted or wrecked and ruined because they keep looking at the wrong voice, listening to the wrong voices? We say, you know, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. We say evil cor- communications corrupts good manners. We like to tell our teenagers that stuff, but yet we're listening to every, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry out there on the internet, and we act like, you know, we can handle it. We'll, we'll, we'll pick the meat off the bones and then throw the bones out. And the whole time we're being weighed down, weighed down, weighed down. And ultimately we make bad decisions because we've been inundated with worldly counsel. And the Bible says, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. But he says in verse 11, The counsel of the Lord standeth for how long? Forever. Boy, we are, we are sacrificing the truth that is lifelong and eternal for temporary pleasures. You've got to be so careful with that. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. So if God says this is what we ought to be doing, then you ought to do that because that's going to hold up. That, that's got a foundation by which to build on. You know what I mean? That, he, 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 that's, that's what we're talking about. Biblically-based counsel is the only kind of counsel that's going to stand the test of time. That's all there is to it. Too often we're seeking, watch it, this is a great statement, and I'm, I'm going to admit it, I didn't get it out of a book, I made it up today. It's awesome. <laughs> Listen to this. Too often we're seeking personal validation instead of biblical clarification. Amen. Amen. Now, now listen to what I mean that. You say biblical validation or uh, personal validation. When we go to a council even, we're looking for someone to validate our personal viewpoint or, or position. I want you to put your stamp of approval on where I stand on this or what I believe about it. Instead of just simply going to seek biblical clarification. I want to make sure that what I believe or what I think or the decisions that I'm leaning toward are going to align with the Word of God. I want that clarified in my life so that I don't make a bad decision going contrary to the Word of God. But too often we're looking for personal validation. Just give me a voice that says what I want to hear. Give me a voice that confirms my position. That's not what we ought to be seeking in advice. We ought to be looking in counsel to somehow clarify the Bible position so that we don't go astray. Our goals, uh, too often of getting counsel, I mean, it ought to be to align ourselves with the Word of God so that our objectives and our direction are, are in a, the, the place where God wants them and the direction they're, they're supposed to go. Again, if getting someone to back your next move is your goal, you, you need only pull enough people before somebody's going to agree. It's not hard. Isn't it funny? You know, your parents, okay, so many of your parents, I don't know, have you ever had, you know, hey, can, can, we go, can we go spend the night at our friend's house? And, 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 you know, and it's a valid question, right? And, and you, you're, you know, try to be very cautious and careful and, and, and how you handle it, No. Uh, and so anyway, you, you, you know, and they're like, what? And, and they say, yeah, but so-and-so's allowed to go spend the night. Huh. What are they saying? I've heard somebody else that's allowed to go. I talked to a bunch of teenagers. How many, let me ask you something. Is so-and-so, well, you know, they're not allowed, but, but so-and-so is. Well, what about so-and-so? Are they allowed to go anywhere and spend the night? Well, not really, but that's not the point. I'm telling you, they're allowed. 
Oh, so you've talked to enough people to figure out which ones are allowed so you can use them as fodder against me and my position. Wait a second. The majority of those same parents, of those parents and your friends, won't let them do that. I tell you, you can't. And the first thing you do is you've talked to every one of them until you found somebody agreed with you and you could use them as a wrench to try to, you know, get your way. That happens in all of our lives to some degree if we're not careful. Proverbs 15, 12 says, A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. And, and here's the last thought with this, okay? Because I, I planned on getting through the next one, but that's okay. Uh, you, you, you've loved this, I know. <laughs> it says, here's another thought. You should get counsel before the decision has to be made. Okay, let, before the decision has to be made. You say, what do you mean? Let me give you an example of that. Okay, this is always a fun one for preachers. It's really fun for dads and moms too, by the way. But dads and moms, you, you should never be blindsided by this one. You, you aren't going to like what I have to say about that. But, and I don't know that I'll even say it. But anyway, let's just go ahead and look at my example now to you. And I'm talking about from my perspective as a pastor and a, a spiritual authority in the lives of believers at Community Baptist. Look, a young man says, Comes says, preacher, I recently met a girl whom I'm considering dating. Just curious. What do you think about her and me pursuing such a course? I think I'd fall over. I'd probably pass out. You'd have to go get that, you know, shock machine and go... You're asking me before you start dating, really? You, you went out maybe once or you started talking to her, you started, to, and you thought, well, maybe she's, she seems like a pretty, pretty solid girl. Oh, I better talk to my pastor before this goes any further. Wow, that's, that, by the way, can I tell you what that is? That's called spiritual maturity. It's not weakness. That's meekness. Versus this one. Preacher, I scheduled an appointment with you. I had a question I need to ask you. Um, I've been dating this girl for some time now, and I want to marry her. Just wondering what you think about her. About her and I getting married even. You know, that's what I'm wondering. Is there any reason I shouldn't? Let's see here. How many landmines can you put in my path right now? I mean, it's like, oh, okay, well, what can I tell you? What, oh, every step by direction I go, I'm going to get blown up on this one. And you're like, I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't really, I mean, I mean, marriage already? I, how long, what? I mean, have you, you know? And maybe I know something about their prayer life or I know something about their personal uh, walk. Maybe I know something about their family that they didn't know and I'm thinking, I don't know, that might hold you back because I, I feel like there might be ministry in your future and I'm a little concerned about that. Maybe we should slow down a little bit. Maybe we ought to give it some thought and consideration. Possibly this is way too ahead of schedule. Slow it down. The moment I say, you know, I just don't know. I, I think you ought to take your time. Oh, oh, well, yeah, okay. Out the door they go. So what did he say? Well, he said we ought to slow down. 
Oh, so what's wrong with me? Oh, I'm not the perfect Christian he thinks I ought to be? Well, I didn't really say that, but yeah, so why wouldn't he give us a green light? Who's he think he is anyway? Like he gets to make all the decisions, what he thinks really it matters anyway, that's all that matters? I mean, we're still going forward with this, aren't we? We can't go to that church. He don't even like me. You say, that would never happen. Oh, yes, it does. It certainly does. You just placed your pastor on the, uh, or that person that you're seeking counsel. And by the way, you know, you say, why wouldn't I tell you parents? Honestly, if you don't know your, your child is seeing somebody, you got your head in the sand. I mean, I'm not talking about they just seen them once or twice. I'm talking about they've been going out for a while. They're to the point where they're ready to get married. It's been months now. You mean for months you haven't known that your child has been seeing somebody and getting serious? You haven't noticed any changes in their attitude, their outlook? You haven't seen anything like that? Come on. We've got to wake up to these things. We've got to know our kids a little better than that. And then you say, yeah, but I couldn't tell them no. Why? Who's supposed to? You want to send them to my office so I can tell them no? I'm not going to be the bad guy. I'm just saying, you should be the first line of defense and say, eh. well, they would hate my guts. I'd rather them hate my guts than make that kind of bad move. They'll appreciate it down the road. They may not understand at the time. You say, well, then I'll push them into the arms of that person and they'll never see me again. They'll want nothing to do with me. Uh, if you raise them the right way, they'll still want something to do with you. They may not agree with you, but they'll still want something to do with you. Kids don't hate you because you take a stand on things. They hate you when you're inconsistent. And they don't even think they hate you. They just despise. They just don't appreciate what you did. You anger them. You upset them. You make them bitter. Listen, be consistent with your kids and love them. Just be there for them. But be honest with them, too. Don't pretend. Be honest. Be yourself. If you're yourself, they'll appreciate you for who you are in the long run. They don't always agree with us, but they will always, they'll always respect us if we are honest, sincere, and consistent. So just be careful, okay? All right, well, anyway, i got to quit. It's time to go. The nursery workers are right now, they're already standing in the hallway, and they're going. <laughs> okay, so we got to close her down, okay? Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. And again, we're grateful for your love and mercy in our lives. Lord, I don't know what's going on in the lives of people. I don't know if there's a need to even discuss or talk to their pastor about anything. But Lord, there are times in our lives where it wouldn't hurt to get some insight or, Father, at least another uh, perspective. And Lord, uh, you know, there is that element of, of uh, a pastor or a spiritual uh, authority that you've placed in our life. And so many times I think about even these young people or children and how they need to talk to their parents. They're a spiritual authority in their life. They need to ask the questions and be willing to hear what they have to say and honestly want the answers. But Then also, that's true in the church as well. So help us, Lord, to take advantage of the authorities that you've placed in our life. Lord, there may be even someone that's working in a ministry here that possibly has a ministry leader that has proven themselves to be faithful. And they say, hey, I'd just like to get a little bit of advice from you. I just want to hear what you have to say and uh, get, your, get your opinion on it. 
And if it's something that the pastor uh, needs to hear about or something that they think that would help the, the past, uh, help them with, with their decision-making, they can always recommend the pastor. But, Lord, sometimes it, just a spiritual authority of sorts can make such a difference and encourage us in such a positive way. Bless us. We need you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand.